The reading today is from John 21, verses 1 to 14, and it's on page 767 of the Church Bibles. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them. Friends, have you not caught any fish? No. I bet you, if you throw your net on the other side of the boat, you'll catch loads. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there, with fish on it and some bread. Bring some of the fish that you've caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Come and have some breakfast, freshly killed, freshly off a barbie. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Some things are just really hard to believe, aren't they? Just really, really difficult. Maybe you thought their acting skills were so good it was just really difficult to believe. I wonder um, if last year you saw this photo in the news or maybe someone showed it to you at home. This is a guy called Felix Baumgartner. And he's standing in space, in a space rocket, ready to parachute all the way down to Earth. When I heard about this story, I thought, that just can't be true. How on Earth could someone do that, parachute from space all the way to Earth? And it took me watching a video of that lots and lots of times before it finally sank in. None of you have probably seen this film. Um, I've seen it a couple of times now. Um, Oh, some of you have seen it. That's good. That's good to know. I just couldn't believe it. There's a clip in the film where Anna turns to ice and she's frozen. And, and I was thinking when um, Elsa comes along and gives her a hug and starts crying, she suddenly starts thawing, doesn't she? And she turns from ice to being alive again. I just couldn't believe it. No way, I thought. I thought she was a goner. No chance. <laughs> or maybe you thought, I just don't believe it, when your husband got down on one knee and asked you to marry him. Unbelievable. You didn't see that coming. But... <laughs> Probably more likely, probably more likely, maybe you're a friend of that couple and you thought it was totally unbelievable that the woman said yes. <laughs> I think, if I'm honest with you, that the resurrection is in this category. It's so hard to believe, isn't it, that it really happened. I mean, we hear about it a lot, don't we? We hear Jesus is risen. We, he rose from the dead and all that. We heard it last week, didn't we, when we were here at Emmanuel. But can you imagine what it was like for Jesus' friends at the time? They couldn't quite believe it. I mean, it never happens, does it? Imagine you had a friend who died and became alive again. Imagine you saw him. It would take a really long time 
to be convinced that he really, really, really was alive. And Jesus' friends had seen him already. They'd touched his wounds. They'd spoken with him. But they still couldn't get their heads around it. I mean, a dead man alive again. It's a bit like a man jumping out of a spaceship on a parachute or on a melting back to life. It just doesn't happen. Jesus knew that it would be hard to believe. And the writer, John, knew that it would be hard for us to believe too. So he picks up his pen again. And if you look down at verse 1 in your Bibles, John writes, Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. And in verse 14, John tells us that this was the third time that he had appeared to them alive again. And a lot of people ask, why, why is there a chapter 21? Chapter 20 was a good ending. We saw it the other week. But John didn't, knew that we didn't just really need to know that Jesus was alive by seeing him once. He didn't even know that we really, really needed to know that Jesus was alive by seeing him twice. But we really, really, really need to know that Jesus is not dead, but he's alive. And the question is, how does John show us that the man the disciples encountered there on the beach was Jesus really alive again? And the answer that John gives us to that question is because he does the same Jesus things as before. He does the same Jesus things as before. So if you've got your boats, you might want to, can everyone show me the boats they've made? Who's made a boat? Fill them at the front. They're looking very good, way better than mine. Oh, that's a particularly good one, there. Um, so a bunch of Jesus' friends, aren't they? They're hanging out one evening, and they realize that there's not much food in the cupboards. So Peter says to them, doesn't he, like Fraser did, guys, I'm, I'm going off fishing. The others are sitting there, so they think, well, we'll come along too. Seven guys sitting in a boat together. And the evening turns to night, and they expect at any moment to land a big catch. Everyone knows that nighttime is the best time to catch fish on the lake. So your boats are bobbing up and down in the water with your net. Has everyone got their nets? You need your nets now. And they're hanging out the side with nothing in them at the moment. They're totally empty. Nothing in the nets. Because they catch nothing, don't they? The minutes tick past, and they turn into hours, and they catch nothing. Zero, zilch, all night long. And they're so hungry, and they're tired, and they're grumpy, and they're hot, and they're wet. And then, like we saw, some know-it-all appears on the beach and shouts out, guys, have you not got anything yet? Uh, no, one of them shouts back. The guy on the beach shouts, well, try the other side. And you can imagine what they were like on the boat. You know, who is that guy? Is he joking? What does he know? One of them suggests, well, guys, come on, we've got nothing to lose. We've got nothing to lose. So they chuck it over, and bang! Immediately the net is full of wriggly, slimy fish, Wriggling away in that net. So if you've got your two little fish, put them inside the net, wriggling away. There's a massive catch. And John sees what this man has done and shouts out, Guys, guys, it's the Lord. It's Jesus. And Peter chucks on the top and dives straight into the water. Splosh. Water everywhere. He just wants to get up close to the alive Jesus. He has no doubt. Who cares about a ton of fish in the boat when you could be with a guy who's risen from the dead? And I don't know, did you know it's that it's when the disciples see what Jesus has done that it means they get who he is. So you saw that probably in verses 6 and 7. John writes, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now John, he knew that the guy on the beach was Jesus alive, not because he saw him, 
but because he did a Jesus thing. And that happens all the time, doesn't it? The things that people do tell us who they are. The things that people do tell us who they are. And okay, so let's have a go. Who do these things remind you of? If you can see it on the screen, we've got a half-eaten mince pie, a half-eaten carrot, and an empty glass of milk. Who does that? Anyone? Who's that? Father Christmas, yeah, exactly. If we saw a half-eaten mince pie, a half-eaten carrot, and an empty glass of milk, or sherry, depending on your household, it's a, it's a Father Christmas thing to do, isn't it? Okay, next one, if you can see this one. They are paw prints across the garden in the snow. Who might do that kind of thing? Any ideas? Yeah? Sorry? A dog? Yeah, a dog. These ones are actually by a... A fox, yeah, good, impressed knowledge. So these are, by a, these are fox prints. So snow pr- uh, prints across the snow in the garden are a fox kind of thing to do. Okay, last one. If you, go into, <laughs> if you go into the bathroom at home and you find the toilet seat up like this, who does that kind of thing in your house? Your husband. <laughs> exactly. It's a, maybe same in your house. It's a daddy kind of thing to do, isn't it? It's a daddy thing to do. Or you. <laughs> or you. <laughs> And finally, a miracle catch of fish out of nowhere is a Jesus thing to do. And the disciples had spent years and years with Jesus doing Jesus things. They'd seen him feed over 5,000 people with just five loaves and two fish. They'd seen him heal a man who had been disabled for 38 years. They'd seen him give sight to a man who had been born blind. They'd even seen and bring a dead man back to life. So a miracle catch of fish was just another Jesus thing. There was no doubt in their minds that he really, really, really is alive. Then in verse 9, they're back on the beach, and they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus says to them, come and have breakfast. And we think, after this massive catch of fish, why does John go and include something boring about a breakfast barbecue on the beach? It's a bit random, surely. Well, no, actually, because in fact, it's just another Jesus thing. Throughout the rest of the book of John, we find Jesus eating with people, caring for their needs. It's just what Jesus does. In fact, eating with people is such a Jesus thing that it would have been more suspicious if they hadn't sat down to have a meal on the beach together. And the result of all these things is down in verse 12. Beforehand, the disciples couldn't believe their eyes. It had just been amazing news that Jesus was risen from the dead, but it seemed too far-fetched, too out there to be true. But now, because he's the same Jesus doing Jesus things, none of his disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They had no need to anymore. They knew it was the Lord. They knew it was Jesus, alive and kicking. And John is writing these things down so that we might know that Jesus is alive too. I guess the question that we might ask is, so what? Why do we need to really, really, really know that Jesus is alive? Well, if we carry on reading to the end of the chapter, we'd find that at the end of the barbecue on the beach, Jesus chats with his disciples and he says at the end to follow him. Follow me, he says. It's what he says to me and he says to everyone here too. But I don't know about you, that following Jesus is really, really hard sometimes, isn't it? For Peter, following Jesus would mean going all the way to his death. I'm sure if your friends here with Jesus today, 
you know how hard it can be to follow him. It's hard, isn't it, following Jesus when, I don't know, maybe your mum or your dad asks you to keep the playroom tidy. It's really hard, isn't it, to do that? Or it's hard when Jesus asks you to not join in with your friends at school when they are nasty to that girl that no one really likes. It's hard to follow Jesus that way, isn't it? It's, it's really hard when following Jesus means friends give you a hard time for being boring when you don't join in with that unhelpful chat that they've got. Or when he asks you to say sexually pure before marriage. Or it's hard following him when he asks us to be honest when we fill in our tax return. And maybe for some of us here, following Jesus will mean one day facing death like Peter did. And I mean, when we think about that, why on earth will we follow Jesus all the way? It's a bit extreme, isn't it? Now, if I told you all to follow me, I wonder how far you'd go. Well, let's do a little experiment. Okay, so if I tell you to follow me by putting your thumbs up, who's going to follow me in doing that? A few of you, yeah, okay, not bad. Some of you don't think I'm even worth doing that, so that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> what about if I say, put, put a hand up in the air? Who's going to follow me doing that? Okay, a few people, great. Follow me, okay, this is a difficult one. Follow me in turning around. Who's going to, I'm not even looking, so I don't know who's going to be doing that. Oh, interesting. Oh, well, one of you, thanks. That's kind. I appreciate that. Obviously, yeah, you don't really think I'm that worth following at all. But if we went even further, if after the service I went outside and climbed a really tall tree, I wonder how many people would follow me then. Or if I then went and did the London Marathon later this month, probably even fewer of you would follow me then, wouldn't you? What happens if I went and walked off a cliff? No way, Jose. Not a chance of following me then. And... Why not? Well, because in all honesty, as much as I hate to admit it, I'm not actually worth following at all. If you thought I was really cool or really funny, you might follow me a bit further, but I guarantee you will stop following me pretty soon. When it means doing hard things, you'll think, well, what's the point? It's just not worth it. So the big question we need to ask is, is it worth following Jesus? Or is it just going to be a complete and utter waste of time? Peter would have asked that question, wouldn't he, as he faced death for following Jesus? And we'll ask those same questions too. But what the miracle catch of fish shows Peter and the other disciples and us too is that Jesus is worth following all the way. He's amazing. He's alive. He walks right into death and right out the other side again. I don't know about you, but if there's anyone I'm going to follow all the way, I want it to be him. That's why Peter really, really, really needs to know that Jesus is alive. Because otherwise, when following got hard, he'd just chuck in a towel. He'd give up. But now, imagine what Peter would say to himself in that moment. He'd go, come on, Pete. Remember the fish. Remember 153 of them. Remember the taste of the barbecue. Jesus really is alive. He's worth following all the way. He smashed death, and he's alive right now. And for us too, that's why we really, really, really need to know that Jesus is alive, don't we? Because otherwise, when following gets hard, we'll just give up. It won't be worth it. So we're going to need to remember those fish, aren't we? We've got a couple of fish here. If anyone wants a a free trout after the service, come and grab one of me. Remember the fish. So next time you have fish fingers at home, remember that Jesus is alive. Remember next time you stand outside a fish and chip shop, Jesus is alive. Remember you see next time you see a fish on the back of a car, Jesus is alive. And you've got those little boats now and the fish. Stick them up on the mantelpiece at home. Jesus is alive. We're going to have a barbecue later this summer, aren't we? When you have a barbecue, remember that first barbecue on the beach back then. Jesus is alive. Know that the man 
on the beach was really the risen Jesus because he did amazing Jesus things. He's the one who walked right into death and then straight on through out the other side. If there's anyone who's worth following, it's him. He is worth jumping into the sea for like Peter did. He's worth facing death like Peter did. He's worth following all the way because he really, really, really is alive. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you are alive, that you're not dead. Thank you so much that that means that you are worth following all the way, no matter what the cost. Amen.